Love you guys so much. Wow, this is what a great day. What a great day. Great worship. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Awesome. Love y'all. Uh, thank you guys for entering in with us. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Uh, also want to thank our Deb's sister Kathy's here with us this morning. We want to welcome her for visiting from Florida, Orlando, actually Claremont, Florida. And so we, uh, we love her. We love you. Thank you for being with us so much. Um, I'm excited about this word today. We're in a series called Transitions for Growth, and we've been in it for a while, and we'll probably be in it for a, a, maybe up till Easter time, which is in April, because uh, I keep getting sermons that I, I feel God wants to, to preach. Uh, in fact, I'm preaching today a sermon called Reverse the Curse, and um, my plan was to speak on generational curses today, but as I studied this week, I realized most believers do not have a biblical understanding of blessing and curses in the Bible. Uh, some people think it just means you, you, you cut somebody out. You know, that's what they think. Or they think curses and say, well, that's for places like Haiti or Africa or stuff. We don't deal with that stuff here. Uh, so I felt led to do a message today uh, to kind of explain a biblical view of curses uh, more in depth. Uh, and so this is going to be uh, uh, probably a couple sermons here uh, on, on curses and how to deal with them. And uh, so I'm going to be covering generational curses, but today we're going to look at this biblical view of curses uh, because the reality is that blessings and curses is, is, a, is a theme that runs through the whole Bible. It really does. And we need to have an understanding of it. And so, now listen, you need to listen today closely. I'm not, I'm not going to be pouring little sippy cups of milk out today. <laughs> you better get you a steak knife and get ready to deal with some chunks of meat that are coming today because this, this is not a lightweight message. This is not a... Uh, milk message, this is a meat message, so uh, if you some stuff you don't understand, uh, well, the great thing is we have Wednesday night groups that you can come to, and if you got questions on Wednesday, if you got questions, you can bring them to Wednesday night, because uh, we're discussing the sermon, and then you can ask, hey, Pastor Joe said this, I don't understand it, what does it mean, and, and your group table leader can explain it to you if they don't understand, I'm usually there on Wednesday night, we're usually there uh, and if, if I don't understand, I can always ask Pastor Deb, and we'll get, the, we'll, get, we'll get an understanding before that night's over. What? <laughs> it's true. Now, listen, I know some of you probably have a problem with the word curse and may even have a doctrinal issue with it. And so I'm going to spend a little time here defining it for you um, uh, because there are, several, there are several words in the Bible uh, Old and New Testament, Hebrew and Greek, that, that are translated curse, but they all have the same basic meaning. And, and it, it, it literally means something that is doomed and, and devoted to destruction. That's the basic me meaning. But to me also, a curse is like the opposite of blessing. God wants to bless us. Satan wants to steal our blessing. Right? God is good. Satan is bad. God wants to bless us, the enemy wants to steal from us. Uh, so to me, one of the ways to look at it is a curse is the absence of God's blessing. 
if there's an area in your life that you're not seeing the blessing of God in, to me, that, that, that is a curse. But it, it is like a supernatural force, either positive or negative, but a curse is going to be a, a negative, and, and it's, uh, that works to bring harm and destruction to us. You know, there's power in our words, life or death, blessing or cursing. James said, out of the same mouth, you can speak blessing or cursing. And so a curse wants to, uh, to hinder us from walking in and receiving the blessing of God. Now listen, believers in Jesus Christ do not have to fear curses. Proverbs 26.2 says, like a sparrow in her wandering, like the swallow in her flying, so a causeless curse does not align, alight, does not land, does not take root. We don't have to fear curses, but we need to know how to deal with them. Uh, and some people think, well, we should never have to deal with them because Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Yes, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, but that's only one of the different kinds of curses in the Bible. I'm going to deal with it today. But we need to learn how to recognize curses, how to revoke curses, how to reverse curses. Now, let me say this. There's one curse in the Bible we can never revoke. That is the original curse found in Genesis. There's events that happened in Genesis that impact us today. There's events that happened in the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve and God that impact every single person alive on the planet today. Everyone, whether you believe it or not. Everyone. In Genesis 1, 27 through 28, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it using all its vast resources in the service of God and man. When you see parentheses like that, I'm using the Amplified Bible. That's the Amplified Bible, which gives amplified meaning. So that's how subduing means we're using the vast resources of, of the earth and in the service of God and man. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living creature that moves on the earth. This is God's original blessing that was pronounced over mankind. Listen, it's still in effect today. I taught you this the last few weeks. God, using this passage, God created us and God wants to bless us. God wants us to reflect his image. He wants to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. God wants all of us to be fruitful and multiply. God wants all of us to have dominion. This original blessing that God pronounced over mankind, God still wants that blessing in each of our lives today. Amen? Amen? Y'all all with me? Okay. But two chapters later, Adam and Eve sinned against God. This is called original sin. So we had original blessing, but this is original sin. Please understand, the world as we live in it now was not as God created it to be. When God created the world, he called everything good. Before the fall of man into sin, the earth was full of blessing, but sin led in a curse. Before the fall, the earth was full of life and health. Sin led in sickness and death. Before the fall, the earth was full of joy and peace, but sin led in hatred and depression and oppression. And we've got to understand this, though. The term original sin does not just refer to Adam and Eve's original sin. You've got to learn this theologically, doctrinally. Original sin refers to mankind's, all of mankind's sinful condition because of Adam and Eve's fall into sin. That affected all of us. 
That affected every person who has ever lived. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, every person who has ever lived was born a sinner. Psalm 51.5, surely I was simple at birth, simple from the time my mother conceived me. All of us are born a sinner. That's our nature. They call it the sinful nature. Before you're born again, your nature is to sin. It's your natural condition. It's the condition of the natural man. And sin doesn't have to mean you go around killing people or robbing banks. Sin means a selfishness and going my own way, doing my own thing, and not being concerned about the will of God uh, for my life. But we are all, uh, all uh, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners, and we're born that way. We don't have to be taught to sin. I remember when my kids were growing up and we were trying to, we raised them in church and in the ways of God and, you know, all of a sudden they would start lying and, and doing stuff and I'm like, somebody's coming into my house and, and teaching my children to do these things. No, it, it came naturally. We have uh, six grandchildren and I remember when uh, Brianna, she's what, 21 now? I remember when she was like three or four. Um, she came over to our house and we always get them the snacks and the goodies that they like when they come to our house. And uh, I, I love that. I was raised that way. My mom, even when I was 60 years old, before she passed, every time I went home, she would have orange slices. You know, the not real oranges, the candy orange slices. I never eat orange slices anymore. When I was a kid, I really loved them. But when I went to my mom's house, Deb, you know, she had orange slices there for me. So I had to eat the orange slices whether I wanted them or not. But she was trying to give me what she thought I wanted. Well, Brianna loved these certain kind of cookies, and, and they were in the pantry, and I told her, Brianna, we're getting ready to eat. You can have some cookies after dinner, but right now, no cookies. Okay, Grandpa. I went there a little while later. She had a cookie in both hands. <laughs> Mouth full of cookies. And slobbering cookie down her clothes. Cookies smeared all over her shirt and face. I mean, it was, it was cookie everywhere. And I said to that little kid, Brianna, did you get in the cookies? She said, no. <laughs> you didn't get in those cookies. The cookies in your hand, cookies in your You didn't get in your cookies. No. I said, well, who got into the cookies? And that little girl said, you did. At that moment, I kind of figured out she was lying. <laughs> Nobody had to teach her to do that. It came to her naturally. It's that sin nature we're born with. We have it because we're born in Adam in his fallen, sinful condition. We were created in the image of God, but after the fall of man, you can read it in Genesis, it says Adam and Eve had children, and they were born in their image. The fallen image. All of us are born with that. 1 Corinthians 15, 47 through 49 says, Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man. Heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. 
We were born in Adam. We were born of dust. We were born of dirt. We were born in sin, and we are like him. But when we are born again, we are changed, and we are becoming less and less like Adam, like the man who came from dirt, and we're, we're becoming more like Jesus, the man who came from heaven. When we're, born, when we're born, we're born in the image of Adam. When we're born again, we are born into the image of Jesus Christ. We're no longer natural, but spiritual, no longer of this world, but of heaven, no longer sinners, but saints. Yes, we sin occasionally, but that's not our identity anymore. We don't find our identity in our iniquity. We find our identity in Christ. That's good news. Romans 5, 12 through 19 says that sin and death entered into the world through one man, Adam, and that sin and that death passed to everyone. In theology, this is called Imputation, impute, I-M-P-U-T-E. It means the act of charging it to your account. It is, in, it is imputing. And uh, Adam's sin and death was imputed, charged to, passed on to every person who's ever lived since. People say, well, that's not fair. <laughs> well, I'm not God. I didn't create it that way. But let me tell you, here's the good news. There's two sides to imputation. Romans 5 again, it says this. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Everyone and everyone died. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of the one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater, even greater. Can you say greater? Greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through the other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is, a ver is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Can somebody say thank you, Jesus, about that? Imputation. For the sin of the one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one other person, that's Jesus, obeyed God, many will be made righteous. This is good news. Can you say amen? Can you say thank you, Jesus? Can you thank... Thank God that you imputed righteousness and forgiveness and salvation to me. When you're born again, when you repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus, you're taken out of Adam. You're placed into Christ, and Christ's righteousness becomes imputed, charged to your account. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, He who he made him who knew no sin, sin for us. God made Jesus sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We used to be guilty, but now in Christ we're not guilty. We used to be sinful, but now in Christ we're righteous. We used to be in Adam. Now we're in Christ, and we are new creations in Christ. The old is done. The old is past. It's all forgiven. And this is some good news this morning. So we talked about God's original blessing. We talked about man's original sin and how that's passed on. So now we move on to God's original curse. This is found in Genesis 3, 
verses 14 through 18, after the fall of sin, the Lord said to the serpent, that was Satan, he said, because you've done this, you're cursed more than all animals. You crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. He said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, and he will rule over you. To the man, he said, since you've not listened, since you listened to your wife, sorry, since, since you've not listened to your wife, that was, that's just my normal condition, but since you listened, <laughs> what, did you say something? <laughs> oh, man, where was I? To the man, he said, since you listened to your wife, and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. The ground is cursed because of you. He didn't curse the man. He didn't curse the woman. But he said, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from him. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat of his grains. As a result of the original curse, women have painful childbirth. Husbands and wives struggle to control each other. Nobody said nothing there, but I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to move right on. <laughs> and it takes really hard work to, to make a living. And many times there's thorns, there's thistles, there's obstacles, things in your way that makes words work harder. Listen, we cannot reverse this curse. It's part of everyone's daily life. It's, it's been true since Adam. It will be true until Jesus returns. Childbirth will be painful. Husbands and wives will struggle for control. Uh, uh, the work's going to be hard. That, 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 that's going to happen. That is the original curse that is in, in play until Jesus comes back. Now that brings me to the curse of the law. Galatians 3, 13 through 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law becoming, by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, curses everyone who hangs is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Yes, Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. That that, but that does not mean we do not have to deal with other curses. Think of it this way. Jesus died to redeem us from the penalty of the sin, through our, from our sin because of his death on the cross. But only those who receive that redemption by faith are saved, right? Right? Y'all with me? Likewise, he redeemed us from the curse of the law, but we've got to know how to revoke curses by faith and receive blessing by faith. The origin of the curse of the law, you can study this on your own. I'm going to give you a brief overview. It goes back to Deuteronomy 27 and 28. Moses told the children of Israel, when you get into their promised land, God wants you to go up, climb two mountains. They were close to each other. And... There was Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, and six tribes would go up one mountain, and six tribes would go up the other. The six on Mount Gerizim would, would symbolize blessing. The six tribes that went up Mount Ebal would symbolize cursing. And God listed then in Deuteronomy 27 all the, the things that would result in curses, all brought about by disobeying God, disobeying the law of God, disobeying the ways of God, and he listed what those curses were. And it goes on and on, verse after verse. Things like confusion and frustration and sickness and crop failure and being defeated by, by your enemies. And all the people agreed, the Bible says, and said amen to the fact that they would be cursed for disobeying God's law. In fact, I'll just read you one of those commands. It's the last one found in Deuteronomy 27, 26. Cursed is a man who does not uphold the words of this law by carrying them out. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. 
That's the curse of the law. You disobey God, all these things come upon you. Disobey the law, all these things come, come upon you. Then in Deuteronomy 28, God listed all the blessings of obedience. If you fully obey, obey the Lord your God, carefully follow all his commands, I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Things like being blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed when you're coming in, blessed when you're going out, blessed in your family, blessed in your work, blessed in your health, blessed in life. And all the people agreed and said amen to the fact that they would be blessed for obeying God's law. This was a choice God gave the nation of Israel. You choose to receive God's blessing by obeying his law, or you choose to receive God's curses by disobeying God's law. And the sad thing is that throughout most of their history, Israel actually chose the cursing over the blessing. And all those things that were prophesied happened to them. Every single one. And by the way, God knew all along they would not be perfectly obedient. He didn't expect perfection, but he expected a life, lifestyle of repentance. That's why he instituted, along with this, a blood sacrifices for the remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness of sin. And every single one of those sacrifices pointed to the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And the good news is that the blood of Jesus redeems us from our sins and saves us from hell, but it also redeemed us from the curse of the law. Jesus did that by becoming a curse for us. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. On the cross, he took on our sins. On the cross, he took on our, our penalty of, 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 for those sins. Uh, and that penalty is not only hell, but living under the curse and having all those happen to us in our daily life. But Jesus Christ redeemed us from that curse. He became a curse while he was hanging on that cross. Curses everyone who hangs on the tree. He took every sin. He took every penalty for our sin. He took every curse. He took everything that was against you. He took it on himself and he redeemed us from every single bit of it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. We no longer have to fear hell. We no longer have to feel the wrath of God. We no longer have to fear the curse of the law. Unless unless you try to attain righteousness by your own works, by keeping the law. People who think they can make themselves right with God by obeying the law of God, by their own righteousness, by their own works, they are still under the curse of the law. Why? Because no one can perfectly keep the law. I'll give you scripture. You're waiting for scripture? Here it is, Galatians 3, 10 through 11. Amplified version again. All who depend on the law who are seeking to be justified, saved, born again, made right with God, are under a curse and doomed to disappointment and destruction, for it is written in the Scriptures. All those who depend on the law for their own works, it's written in the Scripture, cursed 
devoted to destruction, doomed to eternal punishment. I told you that's the meaning of it. Is everyone who does not obey all the precepts and commands are written in God's book of the law. It's evident that no person is justified, declared righteous, and brought into right standing with God by keeping the law. For the scripture says the man in right standing with God shall live by faith, and he who is declared righteous through faith shall live. Is there anybody who has ever lived who's never broken a single one of God's commands? Only Jesus. No other person. So the Bible is saying here that if you, listen, if you want to try to be right with God based on your own good works, and you know most people in the world try to do that. They're saying, oh, I'm good, I'm good. Me and a man upstairs, we're good, we're good. Yeah, well, I'm good with God. <laughs> what makes you think you're right with God? Why are you good with God? Well, you know, him and I just have an understanding. Oh, so God has a way of salvation. But for you, you and him, you came up with a little understanding that you think God changed his way for you, and now you got, you got your own little way? No. There's only one way. He didn't change it. Well, I'm good enough. I'm not that bad. I don't murder. I don't kill, steal. I don't do all that stuff. Well, that, thank you. That's good. I mean, you know, <laughs> my children used to do that to me when they were teenagers, you know, and I would, I would bust them for something and discipline them. I'd say, well, at least I didn't rob a bank or kill somebody. I'm like, Oh, thank you for not murdering somebody today. That should let you off the hook for any other punishment because you didn't go, go out and kill somebody today. I mean, I, people think that way. That, that's people's mindset of, uh, of I'm good enough. How good is good enough? We know Jesus is good enough. And nobody's going to stand up and say, I'm as good as Jesus. Nobody's going to say that. Well, if you're not as good as Jesus, you fall short of the glory of God. That's what sin is, and that's what sin results in death. And, and that, that's what people are, 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 they got their hope in the wrong thing. To overcome the curse, we got to realize we can never be good enough on our own. But thank God, Jesus is good enough on his own. We don't have to add anything to it. And when we place our faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, rather than trying to save ourselves, we're redeemed from the curse of the law. And more than that, we, God says, I'm going to give you access to the blessings of Abraham. All the blessings that God promised are going to come on us. He, Jesus reversed the curse and exchanges for blessing. By the way, some people think, well, that, all that curse stuff is only in the, in the Old Testament. Well, have you read the New? Because I can give you some examples right now. I remember one time Jesus was walking, saw a fig tree, had no fruit on it. He cursed the tree. They walked by it later, and they said, oh, there's that tree you cursed. It withered up and died. Jesus did that in the New Testament. On the Sermon on the Mount, in Luke's account, he spoke about blessing and cursing. Matthew just talked about the blessing, but Jesus talked about blessing, and then he talked about the woes, which is an expression of grief over, over the impending doom and destruction that was going to come upon them. Upon them. Jesus also pronounced woe on Judas for betraying him. He pronounced woe on the Pharisees for their hypocrisy. In Luke 10, he cursed three cities, including Capernaum, for refusing to repent when he did miracles there. Jesus said, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for you, and you, Capernaum, will, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you'll go down to the depths. Listen, I've been to Capernaum. Those of us who are going on the trip to the Holy Land together and there's still time for you to sign up, that's my little plug right there. If you want to go, go to our website. We'd love for you to go with us. We're going to Capernaum, which is the base for Jesus' ministry in his, in his first year there. It was the most important city on the north shore of Galilee. You know what? You go, you, anybody, any of y'all been there? Raise your hand if you've been there. Okay. There's nothing there but ruins. 
There's ruins there. Nobody lives in Capernaum anymore. Jesus prophesied it over all these cities, and none of them exist anymore. The spoken words of Jesus came to pass. That shows us that another type of biblical curse is a spoken curse. Listen, whoever says sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me was wrong. Words have power. Proverbs 18, 21 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Words have the power to hurt and they have the power to heal, the power to destroy and the power to build, the power to encourage and the power to discourage. Words have the power to curse or to bless. James says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Words have the power to kill or the power to give life. Words can release the promises of God or block the promises of God. If you don't think so, think about the negative report that kept the children of Israel out of the promised land because of what some men said. It kept many of them out of the promised land. And remember, a curse is the absence of God's blessing. Satan wants to block your blessing. God, he wants to keep you from receiving the blessings and promises of God. And one of his main tools for accomplishing that is words. That's why it's so important for us to control what we say. Your words minister, the Bible says, either life or death. And one, one verse says, those who love them will eat the fruit of them. You're going to eat the fruit of life or death by what you're saying in, in, in your life. And when people, especially authority figures, especially parents, speak things into our identity and our destiny that are not in line with God's word, we can be cursed with those words if we receive them and believe them. I think of Dev and Kathy's stepfather, Ray, and, and I, one of the favorite things he said to them, I remember this, and I was like shocked that he would say it because my parents didn't talk that way, but he would say, like, you don't have a brain in your head. You don't have a brain in your head. Now, if you grow up here in you big dummy, you don't have a brain in your head. You hear that all your life, you're going to think, I must be dumb. I must be stupid. I, I must have no ability to learn. I, you know what I mean? Because this is a, a, a father saying this to me. And, and some of you are sitting here now and ringing in your ears is something somebody said to you in the past, even maybe as a small child, that somehow got its hook in you. That thing has been a curse in your life holding you back. It's held you back from the destiny that God has for you. And you need to break free from the power of those destructive words so you can walk in the blessing of God. And if you want to break free from those words, there's some steps you got to take. Number one, forgive the one who spoke the words. I know Deb had to go through a process of being able to forgive her stepfather. Listen, unforgiveness keeps us bound to that person who hurt us. And they usually don't even care about it. But we're bound up. We're bound up by their words, their curses spoken of us, spoken against us. But when we forgive them, we release them from whatever we're holding against them. And when we release them, it releases us. Whatever you're holding against somebody, forgive them or it will hold you back. Number two, break any agreement with those words. At some point, you may have said, you know what, that must be true. You've got to break your agreement with those words any way that you have agreed with them, accepted them, or repeated them as truth. You've got to renounce that in the name of Jesus. And then you've got to replace lies with the truth. Renew your mind with the word of God. Speak the opposite of the curses spoken over you. Speak blessings. 
Know that you are blessed by God. He has plans for you that are good and not evil, plans to give you a future and a hope. And, and, and you can walk realizing that Jesus paid the price for every curse to be broken in your life. You can walk in the blessings of God. You can believe that he has good plans for you. You can believe whether you're 8 or you're 80, God still has a destiny for you, a plan for you. My dad is 91. Anybody in here older than 91? I don't believe so. He told me the other day, son, God's still got a plan for my life. I'm never going to quit. He's still preaching. He's still pastoring. 91, and still you pass 91. Don't you quit. Don't you stop. Don't you think you don't have a destiny. God has a plan and call on your life. And no, no believer in Jesus Christ needs to be living under the power of a curse. Jesus paid the price to set us free and to bring us into the blessing of God. Don't allow those words to be a barrier in your life that holds you back one day longer. The power of curses has been broken on the cross. We have power over the enemy to break every curse and release the blessings of God in our life. Amen? <clears throat> and I want to do something. I want you to stand, and I'm going to lead you. We're going to do it together. In fact, um, hit the next slide. I want to make sure I got this on here right. Okay. There's going to be several slides here. That's a prayer. We're all going to pray together out loud. Okay? We're going to pray this out loud. We're going to, we're going to do it. And I want you to think in your mind right now. Is there an area in your life that you know, man, this, this area is certainly not blessed. Something's holding back. Or you know there's some words that have been spoken over you in your life. Or that you've spoken over yourself that are holding you back from what God has for you. Blocking that blessing. Blocking that destiny. We're going to break the power over those today in the name of Jesus. you got faith to believe for it. Are you ready? We're all, we're all going to pray this out loud together. You ready? Lord Jesus... Thank you for dying on the cross and becoming a curse so that I could be redeemed from every curse and receive God's blessing. Because of your finished work, I ask you to set me free from every curse that is over my life. I have power over all the works of the enemy because of the blood of Jesus. So I break the power of any word curses that have ever been spoken over me and my family. I uproot them from my life. I break any agreement that I have made with the lies that were spoken. And I command any spirits associated with those curses to leave my life now. I am free in Jesus' name. And now I speak that the blessings of God will be released in my life, my family, my health, my finances, and my future. I am blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you give God thanks? Hallelujah. Come on. Thank him for it. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down. Hey, if, if you need to, you may need to pray that prayer on a regular basis. Uh, my notes are always online, are on, on our app, on our website. You go to wherever the sermons are, and you'll see sermon notes. Click on that, and that prayer will be in there on the last page at the bottom. It may be something you need to print out and pray for a while over yourself and your family. Amen? Hey, if you don't know Jesus, apply the blood today. Be born again. Today's the salvation. If you've never been filled with the Spirit, today's a day to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
If you've got an area in your life that maybe has come up as we've taught, that, hey, I, I, see, I, I see an area in my life where I'm, I'm lacking the blessing of God, and I, I need to break that. I want somebody to pray with me. Or if you need to pray for somebody else, whatever your prayer need is, or if you want to come down here and pray, we're going to sing one more song, and we're going to be dismissed. You can stay in worship, or after the first verse, you can be dismissed. If you want to come down for a prayer, if you want to stay in worship, you can do it. Love you. Hope you have a great week. God bless you.